Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it's on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot, and let's get to the episode. Welcome back. I'm your host, Michael Chang, on the STR Like the Best podcast, and I wanted to welcome my good friend, John Awe, to the program. John, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. It's uh, good to be on your podcast and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, you and I started our journey around the same time, and we, I was like five, six years through, through the Facebook group, through the professionals, STR Operators Facebook groups. I'm really excited to have a long-form discussion with you. We've seen a lot over the last few years. Before we start, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, so my name is John Ahn. I am both a short-term rental operator. I have a, a company out in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I also... Through that, I've learned really how to use the technology and tools in the industry. We also provide some technology services, but really like most people in the industry, I fell into short-term rentals, exploring different real estate types of assets to invest into. And then I've just rolled up my sleeves and, and navigated through the industry over the past probably about seven, eight years now. Mike, you and I met in yeah. person first time in 2019 and what was it in, was it New Orleans? It was New Orleans. It was. Yeah. So that's me. And uh, yeah, this is like my fifth or sixth career, short-term rentals. So it's, it's a fun journey. So let's talk about that. Where, where did you graduate from? What was your. So I studied architecture at Cornell and I've, since I was like in oh, middle like school. I was trying to pull you out. Of, I was trying to pull out the Cornell connection. Oh, I, I didn't know you were Cornell too. All right. <laughs> Seven years later. Yeah. Yeah. So ever since middle school, I, I like wanted to be an architect and the, the whole reason was my elementary school teacher said, you're good at math, you're good at art, you must, architecture is the right path for you. So I let them decide what my future path was going to be. And so literally I had my blinders on and everything I did from middle school onward was to become an architect. So I went to Cornell, studied architecture, came out, practiced as an architect. And then while I was practicing, I got very interested in sustainability and like the built environment. And so... I went back to grad school, spent a lot of time back in grad school. I got a master's and doctorate focusing on sustainability in, in the built environment. And then I was a consultant as a sustainability consultant for many years, probably around seven, eight years. And just during that time, to keep the story short, I had the pleasure of working with some amazing developers in New York City who not only made a lot of money, but also built great communities and like really added value to like everyone in the value chain. And so I was like, all right, I want to have my own real estate company where I can achieve those kind of results. So I stopped, stopped my nine to five and created a development company. It was single family homes. And so we, I did a ground up new construction, single family home development to $5 million McMansion development in the town that I live in. Developed it, sold it, and all the realtors in our town were like, You're, this town cannot support a two plus million dollar house. We sold it and now lots of houses are, are at that price point. And, but during development, money's always flowing out, right? It's a negative cash flow until you sell the property. And so during one of my development projects, I basically was on vacation in Hawaii and I went with the intention of finding a short-term rental because I heard that people were making pretty good cash flow off of it. And it was a side hustle of, hey, if I could just get a few thousand bucks extra cash flow, that'd be nice to have. 
And so I started out in the short-term rental space with one property. And this one, it was a studio property in Honolulu and it completely outperformed our initial estimates on what the revenue would be. And at that point we hired a manager and everything, but I was not happy with the management, right? Like they were, I was just, I was just, I was that terrible owner. At the same time, I was not happy with how they performed and everything. And little by little, I started taking over little bits and pieces of the operation. And so that's how I got into short-term rentals. I could go on and on, but really that's how I traversed through multiple careers into the short-term rental industry. And then, so I was, I was just really focused on the Hawaii properties, property management for the first half of my career in short-term rentals. But as I grew my portfolio, what came to be was my two bedroom, two bath condos that I had graduated from the studio were generating $200,000 or more in gross revenue. And so I kept on building on that. And that's how I switched paths to the technology side as well. So how many, how many short-term rentals do you have right now? So we have 10, we own te- uh, three and then we, we co-host seven more. So it's a small portfolio, seven, but we're for that company. We're not looking for exponential growth. We're looking at just gradual, slow, organic growth, because again, like our properties generate a lot of, a lot of revenue and we want to be careful not to go too fast and ruin kind of all the structure and everything that we've built up out there. No, that's great. Seven properties that you, that you own plus manage out there. So let's put some numbers around this. The two, let's just focus on that two bedroom condo, the two bedroom, like how much did you buy that for? So that's 200, over 200 K a year. How how much did you buy that for? So we have three of those, right? So on average, that was around $900,000 for a two bedroom condo. This is back today. That price is not possible, right? But back, back then when we were buying it, Uh, it was on average 900,000 across the three. And my goal was really simple. Every year, buy one more property and just slot it into the system. That was really my goal. And I was on track and then 2020 COVID happened and that really changed things. And my, at that point, I stopped wanting to add properties and really focused on efficient operation, best hospitality and all that. Yeah. How did COVID impact? Hawaii obviously was severely impacted and, and you live in the East Coast like me. So obviously you're not on the ground there, but how did that impact you when they, for folks that don't remember specifically <laughs> in Hawaii, they shut down all the flights because they didn't want, maybe just walk us back a little bit on that. Like, how was that? Like, how did your calendar look like in March, April of 2020? And then how did you eventually, how, how did you exit that situation? Yeah. So literally I think it was like March 10th or so when everything shut down overnight, I think in one day, I think we had about... $750,000 of future revenue wiped off our plate. And clearly I was very stressed. And that was, that was literally how everything stopped. Fortunately, I think you remember our friend Anton, she's no longer with us, but Anton from Autohost, I got on a call with him and he basically helped me figure out, okay, how do I figure out this like midterm rental strategy, right? The contracts, the how to ensure I'm protecting myself. And so he literally helped me write the strategy for how I was going to survive COVID. So I used what he taught me in terms of the contracts and everything. And then I was fortunate enough to get in touch with a doctor staffing agency, not nurses, but these were like hospital administrators, specialists that were looking to come to Hawaii as part of the medical emergency. And so basically I survived COVID with two months, three months, four months rentals 
by the medical agency consistently saying, hey, we have another doctor looking to come. It was definitely, we were losing money after all our carrying costs and everything, but we definitely kept, and the important thing was because it was an agency, we were getting paid like clockwork at the beginning of every month. And so that's really how we survived the COVID. And then, so that was about one year, right? And then towards the end of 2020, January of 2021 is when I started seeing things open up with some short-term rental requests. And then the challenge at that point was pretty much, I had a skeleton team. So all my VAs were gone and I had one guy, one person on the ground who, you know, took care of little things. And then as things were opening up, I literally had to sleep with the phone next to my ear so that if a guest needed to get in and they couldn't, I had to take care of that. So that was actually a pretty stressful time too. I was happy, but it was really stressful. And so I think to answer your question, how did I, how has COVID affected me? One, in today's economy, people are all concerned about the economy, things slowing down. I have this thing like, I survived freaking COVID, right? Like I can survive an economic downturn. Yeah. That's one thing. <laughs> if it don't kill you, it makes you stronger. And then the other thing is as COVID was opening up, one of the things that I did was I really focused on building out a robust backend infrastructure, robust team, processing. And so that really helped to catacomb my business and my companies beyond where it was pre-COVID. Sorry, John. Uh, no problem. Take your time. No, that's, no I, I, first off, shout out to Anton. Yeah, I mean, Anton was, was one of the co-founders of Autohost, which is actually like very, very successful now. It mm -hmm. had this concept and he left us during the COVID period. You make a lot of friends along the way. And it's funny, it's such a short, it's such a short, it's such a small knit community. We all really actually know each other, especially the folks that did this before COVID. And yeah. yeah, what you definitely get a lot stronger going through that experience. It's funny, like it's a lot of new hosts that are listening here. That's where like perspective really matters. If you're talking or working with and just people in your network that survived COVID, they just, we, we just, we've seen the worst and then you know that you can get through it. So for folks that are afraid, if you're afraid of what might come, know that reach out to someone, find someone that has gone through COVID in short-term rentals. They can be big resources to you. For perspective, properties that you had. sorry, just one thing for perspective, right? 2023 revenue wise is very across multiple markets is approximately similar to 2019 levels uh, is what we're seeing. And 2019 was considered a, you know, a blockbuster year prior to the 2021, 2022 that we just had. And so perspective wise, like where we ended up in 2023 is actually a pretty damn good year again. So that's the perspective that I want to share. Yeah, no, I, I think people are looking at it from like 22 to people that only got in or only got their first short-term rentals or exposed to space in 2021, 2022. Those are such kind of peak years. It is definitely down from 22, but we're not, it is a- Mike, I, I can't hear crash. you. I think that's such a good segue. Oh, you can't hear me? Hey, John, can you, you can't hear me? Hello? Hey, Mike. Okay, I can hear you now. John, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear okay. you. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. An editor can edit some of the stuff out. Yeah, it's. I'm looking at some of the metrics here. You're like 57% uploaded. So I think I, I do think it's a. It might be an internet issue on your side, but yeah, it's okay. Like, we'll, we'll we'll manage through it. <clears throat> so I think this is a good segue actually to talk about revenue side, right? I think that's where you spend a lot of time and definitely a big topic. Want to focus on today? Revenue management. First off, just maybe in 30 seconds, like what is short? What is rental? What is excuse me? What is revenue management? Revenue management is essentially understanding, executing on a strategy, right? Re revenue doesn't just happen. So you have pricing strategy and based on what strategy you implement, you're able to make more or less money over time. And yeah, 
that's really what's different from just using software, which is a tool that helps you execute it, but you still need a strategy to understand what you want to be doing with the pricing and length of stay and all that. Yeah. Uh, agreed. And let's double click on this. Like revenue, at least to revenue management to me is how do I maximize, for me, it's like, how do I maximize the revenue, right? How do I get, I have a lot of short-term rentals is high fixed costs, right? For me, rental arbitrage or, and I own properties, the rent is fixed, the mortgage is fixed. And the only real variable costs are cleaning and utilities. And candidly, those are pretty de minimis, right? So I really want to actually squeeze as much revenue out of my property as possible. And unlike a similar to a hotel or airline, right? When demand is high, I want to charge more. Demand is low, I want to charge less. So there are software that, this software does this, Price Labs being the biggest example. And I think John, like, so maybe talk, Let's talk about price last but before that, like when you talk about strategy, what do you mean different strategy? Isn't, aren't all, isn't everyone's objective just to make as much money as possible? Yes and no. So different people have different, whether it's investment thesis or risk tolerance. And so that has a huge impact on how much money you can make. So I'll give you an example. There, there are some people who lose sleep overnight if they're, if they see their calendar and it's not booked like solid three months out, right? They're like, oh my God, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. There are also people who will lose sleep because their calendar is booked past one month out because they're like, oh my God, I'm giving away my, my property because people shouldn't be booking this that far out, right? Neither one is right or wrong, but there's a personal kind of thesis approach to how you see revenue. And depending on how that aligns, you can make the maximum amount of money based on aligning with your revenue strategy. And I think that's one of the things that people expect the tools to just like somehow know what that right price is. And I will tell you, there is no, there's no such thing as the right price. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I think that's the nuance. I think that doesn't really get talked about a lot, right? It's what is the risk, what is your personal risk tolerance? or a client's risk tolerance and their goals. Not for me, it is, I want to maximize revenue as long as I know someone's not going to mess up my place. But some people, they're like, you know what? I don't really want to sweat. I don't really want that many people in my place, right? I want to use it myself. And I just want you to get the high, I want you to book at the highest po or at a minimum price. And I don't want to go below that price. Mm -hmm. right? That might not be maximizing revenue, but it, it, it adheres to their strategy. So that's a really good point to start off. What do you want to accomplish? And then the tools like price labs are the ones that help you execute that. Now, let's move it. once you have your strategy, like how do you use the tools to help you execute that? Right. Maybe if you talk a little about what does the marketplace look like for executing a revenue management strategy, you can, and I'll just start, right? There are self-service tools that you can use. There are also services that you can hire, right? Consultants or companies that do revenue management services. So maybe if you could just kind of contract uh, for us. Yeah. So the analogy the revenue management tools are amazing tools, right? They ingest a ton of data about various, about your market and it picks up signals on thing, the market picking up, slowing down. And so it's an, an amount of data and information that no human being could digest, or if they were to do it, it would take hours and hours every day, just to like ingest that information. So the tools are like a sports car, right? It's a great, amazing machine, right? But you still need a driver to actually drive a sports car, right? You're not going to win the, the Formula One without a driver or without a car, right? So what a revenue manager does and what we do is one, we help execute strategy and the strategy is shifting all the time, right? So that's the other thing is if the market is slowing down, if it's picking up, you shift your strategy according to 
what you need to do to maximize, right? And then again, continuing on with the driving analogy, if you have your eyes on the road, hands on the wheel, it's actually not that hard to drive, right? And it, it requires constant attention, but it's not that difficult to drive, right? That's what a revenue manager does is you have your eyes on the road, hands on the wheel, and you can make the adjustments based on what's coming ahead. I think what most people in our industry, again, because the past couple of years, it's been, the dynamic pricing tools have been able to generate revenue. A lot of people, they might go into price labs and set prices and say, okay, then I'm, now I'm going to focus on it. Maybe they do it for about a week and then life happens. Other things happen. Your business happens. And then pretty soon it's like a month and then, uh, yeah, I guess I should go in and take a look. That's, that's driving and then turning away, letting go of the steering wheel. And about five seconds after that, bad things start happening. That's what, that's the analogy that I'll use between revenue management and the dynamic pricing tools. Mm -hmm. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's, the tools are really, tooling is really good, but how do you actually use that? Let me talk about that a little bit. What are some, if you are a, if you're just starting out and you either don't have access to or can't afford a revenue manager. What are some ways that, what are some tips that you can give on someone, like they have one or two properties, they're trying to use price labs, they're trying to use a similar pricing tool. Like how do they, how do they use those tools for themselves? And then as they grow their portfolio, continue to, and then eventually have someone in house or hire an outside firm to, to do this. Yeah. Let's see. I actually think the most important thing is the consistency, right? It's a process that you do on a repeated, on a, that you, you, you monitor it and you make adjustment, monitor adjustment based on what's going on. I think that is one of the biggest things that, that you need to go into it. Cause so then is that, is that every day I need to block out. Is it like every day on my Google calendar, I should block out 15, about 15 minutes and okay. This is my price lab 15. This is my 15 minutes that I'm going to dedicate to this. Is, is that, but every day I have to do this. Is that what you mean? Something like that. I, I would probably say daily is probably overkill. Like there typically, okay. unless markets are like shifting really fast, typically you're not going to see a lot of change within a 24 hour period. So what we do with all the partners that we work with is a minimum three times a week that we are going in and actually monitoring it. And then if markets are conditions are shifting, there are some times when we're going in twice a day, but that's because it, it warrants it. But that consistency, seeing what's happening, making adjustments, that's really, I would say that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing is like with Price Labs or Realhouse or Beyond or whatever tool you're using, you really have to go in and make sure that it's not a set and just turn it on, connect it and it's done, right? Like you actually have to make it so that it aligns with you, what you want to get out of it. So many times I hear people saying, oh, I tried Price Labs and it doesn't work. And that's like someone saying, oh, I went to Home Depot, I bought a hammer and it doesn't work because the house didn't build itself. Like the hammer still works perfectly fine, but you need to have the skills to build a house. Right? And when people, whenever I hear people say, oh, wheelhouse doesn't work or beyond doesn't work, it's that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it, so just if you're starting, like, what, how do you get to speed? Like, how do you go and just get some basic knowledge to go and know how to navigate these tools? Obviously they have like their self-help. It's going YouTube, just go on YouTube university and just learn. Is there, what would you suggest? Like, how do people get smart on this? Yeah, that's a really challenging question. Cause each tool is different. I really would leverage their support. No, I would really leverage their support and have, have them like really help you set up. Right. So that you're not on your own. 
Makes sense. Yeah, no, those are, they're really complicated tools. Yeah, so folks out there, just don't be shy and, and ping support as much as possible. They have pretty good help videos and help tools. Okay. You, and for us, just reflecting on our personal journey, right? That was definitely a challenge in the beginning, right? We had to really learn the tools and be consistent. And like I was the one working on it. And yeah, you're, like you're trying to grow a business. There are like a million things going on. And it's easy to forget. And you're right. You only go back, but you go back to it when you're like, oh shit. Oh, you're like, oh shoot. Why aren't my, why is my occupancy down? Or like, why is my revenue? And then it's just hard to manage. So let's talk about that. Like, when do you think it's the right time to get someone more professional or either hiring in, an in-house person to do it? Like we know, and I know some people that have actually just hired in-house people that are just focused on it or they'll go for an outsourced service. What's that tipping point? I actually don't believe that there is a tipping point, right? I actually think whether it's you hiring in-house or hiring someone or you doing it or hiring someone to outsource it. The way I look at it is a revenue manager, whether it's in-house or outsourced, should not be an expense. It should be a source of source of additional income. So I actually don't think there's a tipping point. And we have clients who have one property. We have clients that have 100 properties, right? And of course, there's a tipping point after which it makes sense to hire internally because you have so many properties and you might think that you could pay someone a salary to do it. What I will say is people try to train someone to do revenue management and to a certain extent you can, right? But it's like a skill set, right? So it's not just like data and looking at data and then the data tells you what to do. If you speak with like John DeRolay from, from Wheelhouse, he's a data scientist there, or Emily Patillo from Highgate, they've actually come to the conclusion that some of the best revenue managers are actually creatives, right? So they take the data and information but then they're creative in what they do with that data and information. You need someone who's both analytical and scientific, but also someone who's not tied by, oh, once I calculate this, then I'm going to know exactly what to do. It's not that. There's a lot of judgment that goes into it. And so I think we're realizing more and more because John DeRolay is an amazing painter, right? I'm an architect by training and I used to be in the arts and... I will say some of the best revenue managers out there have a, a bit of a creative flair to them. So if you're hiring, look for some, don't just look for a data analyst, look for someone who, who's not afraid to think outside of the box. That's great advice. That's awesome. No, I think it's something where, uh, and I think you're right, just to at that point, it is, it should not be looked at as an expense, right? Because if you do it correctly, a revenue manager should be able to make more money than you doing it by yourself, right? Because simple mistakes, or even just if something happens, you don't you take your eye off the ball for a few days, like can really cost you some real money there. Because again, it's such a fixed, it's such a high fixed cost business. If you're not getting yield on these assets, really, if you're not getting your weekdays booked, if you're have a bunch of orphan days that like you're not have a good orphan strategy or you're where well, you're so closed in on dates that you don't you're not adjusting your prices properly there's all these different things obviously just a strategy involved in there too but it really is a lot of dollars and cents so i think it's something that everyone really needs to be mindful of and as we wind down the conversation like why is that why there's so few good revenue managers you're one of a very few number of people that do this professionally how the creative parts is important but is experience important? There's definitely a lot of revenue managers from the hotel side that that could potentially do short-term rentals, but maybe it's a two-part question. How much does experience matter? And is short-term rental revenue management different from like hotel revenue management, for example? I believe, and this is not just to be self-serving, but I believe experience does matter because that's how you like quickly switch strategies if you're seeing things changing, changing up. I'm not saying that you can't like systematize it because that's what we, we have done. 
But it's, it's like playing sports, right? Everyone can learn, practice their free throw shot over and over again. But in a game situation, different variables come into play and you have to adjust to that situation, right? And that's where experience does matter. In terms of, I, I've been consistently saying, I believe hotel revenue management and short-term rental revenue management are fundamentally different. I'm not saying I'm right, but this is my thesis. And part of the reason is in the hotel space, there's actually revenue management courses and education. And so almost everyone uses the same set of rules and the inventory is identical inventory, right? You have one listing that represents hundreds of rooms and then people are just saying, I want a room. In the short-term rental space, there is no education. Fortunately, there's a new uh, nonprofit organization that's trying to create education around revenue management, but uh, it's called Rev. But there is no education, so everyone's playing by their own set of rules. So what happens is the data in short-term rentals, it's very scattered, right? You can get a, a statistical average, but the standard deviation is going to be really large because... It's just an average of a lot of dispersed uh, data points. Whereas in the hotel space, the standard deviation is pretty tight because everyone is playing by the same set of rules. And so the way people look at data sets in hotels, I think is if you apply that one-to-one -one in the short-term rental space, I think you could actually end up making some not so good data-based decisions. Does that make sense? That, that's a great point. Yeah, no, that makes no. That's just a, you need a little statistical uh, knowledge of what's average and standard deviation. But yeah, no, I think that's really if you just zoom out a little bit, right? All the hotel rooms are pretty similar. They and again, everyone kind of plays. Everyone learns from the same rule book, so they all do the same thing. Short term rentals is really new, and all the properties are really different locations, different quality room, the like number of rooms, amenities. There's so many different variables that. Reviews, I'm right? I, I'm a firm believer too. Like you really need review. Yeah, exactly. Reviews, right? It's not just a Hyatt versus a Four Seasons, right? It's like a very different. But so I think there's just a lot. There's a lot more variables that go in there, and it's such a. I, I think it's actually the second most important thing <laughs> operationally. After you get your short-term rental, I think the first, the, the most important thing is obviously getting your technology set up, right? making sure that yeah. you're on as many OTAs as you. You're on, you're on as many online travel agents, or your distribution is as wide as possible, or as wide as you can you can manage it, right? If you can't manage Airbnb and Verbo together, you probably won't be able to manage booking.com and Expedia and mm -hmm. all the other OTAs. So I think that's first and foremost. And secondly, it is revenue management, right? Being able to consistently price your properties correctly and correctly is, has a lot of different meanings. But if you can do those two things, if you can nail those two things and you have a property that's in a good location, you've designed it properly. Like if you can do those things, like you will you are much like you're much more likely to be successful in this endeavor. But I think that yeah, you can't sometimes you can't fix you can't change once you have your property you can't really change it. You can obviously change the design, but get the distribution right. I think that's another thing that you focus on. We can hit on yep. the next conversation. But having a tech stack set up appropriately so that you can operate your business at a high level, right? You can get on a ton of OTAs and then be able to manage it appropriately with your cleaners and all the communications. But then from that, I think that's again kind of like table stakes. Once you have that, like. How do you price? How do you push out all those pricing? And it's reflexive too, right? How do you push out the pricing, but make sure that's actually correct and push out to all the OTAs correctly? And how do you go and make sure that you're collecting all the data and you're getting paid for all that? And yeah, I'm, you know, there's so much involved, but if you can get some of the key pieces, right? I think uh, particularly in revenue management, I, I think you're in a, you're in a much better, you'll be in a much better spot than most people. Cause most people don't even know what revenue management is. They just, like you said, they just either have one set price for weekday weekends and then, or they go on price slabs and they turn a few knobs and then yeah. it's like, why doesn't this work? If you, if someone asks you, do you do revenue management and your answer is price slabs or real house or beyond? 
then you, your answer is actually no. But if your if your answer is yes, and I go into it and I, I make tweaks and adjustments, that's revenue management. Great, great. And for folks that are interested in revenue management, what's the best way to reach out to you? So my email is john, J-O-H-N dot A-N at gettechtape.com. That's G-E-T-E-C-H-T-A-P-E.com. And then that's also my website. And I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. And so if you search John on or Tech Tape on LinkedIn, you can find me and reach out. And I'm I enjoy having short conversations just to share and connect with people. Even if you're not looking for any revenue management services, I'm happy to have a conversation. Perfect. I'll make sure to have your email and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes and your website so that folks can reach out. For folks out there, if you have short-term rentals that you're struggling to get occupancy on and struggling with Price Labs, I definitely highly encourage you to educate yourself, right? Maybe you don't need a revenue manager. Maybe you can be the revenue manager, but really educate yourself on what it is and how you can improve your existing systems. And if you want additional support, there are great people out there like John that can help you take a more professionalized approach to it, just given that this is what people do full-time. John, before I let you go, that's my traditional closing question. Business is a team sport. What's one of the kindest things that someone's done for you in this journey that's helped you get to where you are today? Oh my God. The short-term rental industry is such a collaborative industry, uh, despite the fact that we're like almost a $200 billion industry globally, right? And you don't see that uh, very often. So what's the kindest thing? I have to say like many of the founders of, of various tools in our space, whether it's Anurag from Price Labs or Brooke Fouts from Venturi, literally like the friendship and the mentorship that they're freely willing to share so that I can up my game and I can walk, learn from their mistakes and follow their path. I can't go on enough about some of the hard conversations that we've had with some of the founders. So I think I can just leave it at that. But yeah, just so many people willing to spend, share their time to help, help me as I was transitioning from short-term rental operator to a technology and revenue management professional. And so there are a lot of folks, but, and that's also reason, the reason why I'm happy to have conversations with people because others have done the same for me. The paying it forward. And a lot of people have said this too. It's the collaborative, the collaborative nature of the short-term rental business. It's we're all obviously competing, but the pie, the market's so big that we can all help each other because there's so much out there to get. No one needs to, you're not fighting amongst yourselves. And I think that highlighting your second point, building your network, the people around you are the ones that are going to help you move forward with your problems. I really just encourage folks to go and network, find people, find communities that, that you connect with, because I think ultimately that's you building a team is going to get you far in this game. And John, I appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective with the audience. And I appreciate you having me on. And I always enjoy hanging out with you, Mike, and our conversations. So thanks. <laughs> I'll, see you, I'll see you in Nashville in two months. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually going to have a, a workshop on revenue management at the STR Wealth Conference, if that helps anyone to I figure. That. I saw that. Before, if it's before February 2024, we'll, John and I will both be at STR Wealth in Nashville, February 5th, February 8th. With that, we'll close this uh, episode off today. Thanks, John, again for coming. Thanks, Mike.